Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. As we move closer to the NBA playoffs, check out the Woj Pod with Adrian Wojnarski for all your NBA needs. Follow the show wherever you find your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday late morning. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, one only, thank goodness, band McMahon. Howdy, partners. I'll take that backhanded compliment. You're more than welcome. And thank you for uh, joining us from Boston, Massachusetts, is Tim Bontemps. What's up, guys? Um, How come you keep going so- back? <laughs> you know, he keeps just, we gave him a link to get in and he Jeez. just keeps popping on. And if we should maybe just change the link. Link. We have That'd a, be a good idea. Words, all, all of that, please. <laughs> New link. Who's this? <laughs> we have an interesting concept for this week's show. But first, one of my favorite shade throwings of the last week was this tweet on Tuesday night from the account of Tim McMahon at ESPN McMahon. This is one of those nights that Tim Hardaway Jr. absolutely looks worthy of the two first-round picks the Mavs gave the Knicks to get him. What what do you mean? Why is that shade-throwing? He had 36 points. He tied a Mavericks record with 10 three-pointers. The dude took two charges. He had 42 uh, a few games ago. Look, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been hooping, and I felt like he needed to be recognized via Twitter. Bottoms, he just said, "Why is that? Why is that shade throwing?" Uh, for the for the people who don't know, uh, Chris Porzingis still plays on the Mavericks. Uh, the guy who was the centerpiece of that trade, who uh, I believe our guy doesn't think was worth the two first round picks that was traded for him. Sounds like it. I know. Listen, I time out. Don't you be putting words in my mouth. I never said he wasn't worth the the first the two first round picks. Now the max contract, we might have some concerns with three years left on that, and him missing games on a increasingly frequent basis. There, there might be some well, concerns wait, well, there. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean. You can't if you're you're going to it's kind of hard to draw a line between saying he wasn't worth he was worth the picks, but he wasn't worth the contract. They traded for him basically knowing what they were going to pay him when they traded for. him. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, Hindsight's always 20. I do. I really don't blame them for taking the risk. I think it's a risk. They a swing they had to take. But right now it is a capital S situation. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing about it. Like I I. If you go back at the time of that trade, it's not like anybody – I mean, some people thought that the Knicks did better than the consensus, but nobody was like, I oh, did. man. I right. Did. Yeah, I think we both – we both. I think we're on this pod talking about it. I, I don't think the – but I, but nobody was saying that the Mavericks made a bad trade. Like, I agree. That was, a good, that was a good risk for them to take. It's just like you said, to this point, between the injuries and production, it hasn't quite been what they hoped it would be. And, and Let me it, ask you this, McMahon. Uh-huh. Hardaway's unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. There was a time mm-hmm. where the Mavericks had their uh, big eyes on what they could do in free agency. Is their best free agent move and use, to use their space on keeping Tim Hardaway Jr.? I mean, that might definitely end up being the case. Uh, you know, we there could be a discussion: would they be better off going for John Collins? Which I think it takes Max to make the Hawks blink. 
Um, you know, Lonzo Ball, we can have a discussion. What does it take to to make the Pelicans uh, decide to let him go? I don't know. But I know this, Hardaway is, is you know, a, a pretty damn important part uh, of their team, whether he's starting. Oh, the other thing that Rick said that, Rick Carlisle said that the night, he pointed out that when Hardaway scored 42 and 36, he started both of those games, and that and that seemed to help him, which was an interesting comment. Um, especially given uh, Josh Richardson did not start the second half of that game and did not seem to be thrilled with that. So just something to keep an eye on once they get their uh, get their full core back if that, that does indeed happen. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That was just a classic McMahon. Just a classic McMahon. Tweet. Well, one one thing real quick, just because I, I think it's interesting because you brought it up, Tim. Who do you think they would be better for them to have, Lonzo or Tim Hardaway in a vacuum? <sighs> I I think if I if you could pick between those guys, I'd go Lonzo just because uh, I feel like he still has a lot of room to grow. You know, there, there's age, there's upside. Um, Hardaway is a better score at this point, but Lonzo has become a really good spot up three point shooter. Um, I mm-hmm. think I think Lonzo. We haven't necessarily seen it. Uh, in a, I, I think there's a lot of defensive potential there. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say he's a great defender when you look at the Pelicans play defense, but I, I do think there's mm. some defense potential there. And the thing that kind of intrigues me about Lonzo is the Mavericks play so slow um, that if if he can get them some trans, if he could come in and you know get them running and get them some trans, I just think that would ease the burden on on Luca in a way that some of these you know that that the roster currently just isn't capable of doing. But again, that's just an idea and. They very well their their best move very well could be to bring back Hardaway. We'll see how that plays out. All right. Well, we're going to talk about Lonzo in a little while. So, for the foreseeable future, for months ahead, especially once we get into next week if the season ends and there's going to be just wild, um, you know, swapping of of seed position. Um, which you know, in some years we talk about seeding just to kill time. This year with um, where some of the teams are, plus the play-in tournament, it really matters. Um, so that is going to be a dominating conversation next week. And then obviously for that going forward, it's going to be all playoffs for months. So before that starts, and this was McMahon's idea, hat tip, uh, Ben McMahon, uh, each one of us are going to take a team that's headed for the lottery, um, and we're going to discuss what their futures are and why we're excited uh, about the futures of these teams. So this is going to be a say la vie. We'll see you. Uh, we'll talk about you at the lottery, talk about you at the draft um, before uh, they step uh, into the offseason. Um, so, McMahon, uh, your idea, you're first up. Which team headed for the lottery is the team that you are most interested in their future? The mighty Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, and you know, you talk about a team that the lottery implications are going to be significant. Obviously, the Timberwolves are at the top of that <laughs> significant list. Significant's not the word. It's huge. Yeah, huge. It is huge. But even if the it's a worst case scenario and they're sending the fourth overall pick to the Warriors, which obviously is an absolute disaster when they have a chance to get a top three player in this, I just feel like the Timberwolves. You know, they've got they have two bona fide franchise cornerstones in place. Um, Anthony Edwards, I mean, there is a legit discussion about rookie of the year. This guy has been absolutely hooping. I mean, last night had 42. Um, they've won six of the last 10, including a couple wins over the Jazz when Colony was still playing. 
Uh, you know, he, he's, he's been efficient during that span. I mean, the athleticism just jumps off the page, but really the whole second half of the season, he has been an efficient big time scorer. And then, you know, we all understand the talent that Carl Anthony Towns has. Um, I think Towns has come to the realization that his rep at this point is a really talented loser. And he's, he's, <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, it's just, that's just the truth, you know. That's I and I've I've you know read and, and heard him basically acknowledge that he he's tired of it that he's tired of, of being a guy known for big stats and and no wins. Um, the you know again actions and and words and all that. Uh, I feel like though him just saying that out loud, acknowledging that out loud. That is a, an encouraging type of thing. He realizes there are things he needs to change and improve to to, to be a, a guy who can be the face of a winning franchise. And then I just think they've got some nice pieces in place outside of those guys. You know, I'm not a huge Russell guy, but he can get you buckets. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, you know, I, Wendy, the when Schmitz and uh, Pelton did their lottery redraft, noticed that uh, that he slipped in there. Um, uh, you know, we, we haven't seen a whole lot of Jarrett Culver this year. Maybe that's a guy they can salvage. Maybe that's just a lottery bust. We'll see. Um, Beasley was <laughs> – there's a lot of baggage that comes along with him. But, you know, there, there's some talent there. I just, so I just like the the young core that they have with Towns being a guy who, you know, at least recognizes that he needs to prove uh, that, that, that he can win in this league. Bond I mean, look, the Wolves have a bunch of young talent. Uh, as a result of being in the lottery for a billion years in a row, with the one exception of the Jimmy Butler season. Um, and, yeah, look, I mean, you watch Anthony Edwards play last night, and you have a lot of reason to think that he's got a chance to be a star. I mean, you know, when he puts on a performance like that, it, it makes you sit up and, and listen. And, look, he – overall this season, he, he has been very inefficient. It's been pretty up and down for him, but – there's certainly been enough flashes that you have to be excited about at least the potential for what he can do. Now, the big question there overall is you're three years away from free agency with Carl Towns. The team has gone nowhere. If you look at their, um, if you look at their standing in the West, it's hard for me to see them being good enough to be a playoff team next year. I guess with the possible exception of if they say win the lottery and Kate Cunningham walks in and is a, you know, Luka Doncic level impact player, or they get another, you know, Trey Young as a rookie impact level player as a, a off from that top three pick, maybe then they can jump up. But if you miss the playoffs again next year and you're now two years away from free agency with Carl Towns, does he decide he's had enough of Minnesota and then things get kind of reset? But, um, you know, just with the current talent they have on the roster, if Edwards develops at all, like he's looked the past few weeks, then, you know, the two of them is a, is a pretty deadly one-two combo. So let me just ask you this. Um, where do you rank D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley as contracts that are tradable? Uh, bon temps. Uh, Malik Beasley's contract, I, I mean, it's a little difficult to judge because of the other circumstances that have gone on with him. Uh, of late, but I think in a vacuum, I think his contract is movable. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's contract is not movable. Yeah, because um, 
ultimately, I think that they are probably a draft pick and a trade away from getting where they need to go. And um, I don't, I don't know what that trade's going to be. Um, so let me just illustrate their lottery situation. So as of this moment, which is again Thursday early afternoon, they are one game clear. They are they have the third worst record in the league. Uh, again, they keep their pick if it's in the top three. Which as the third worst team, they have a. Um, 40 let's see here about a 42 percent chance of of uh of keeping uh of getting a top three pick right now in uh as the number three pick so 58 percent chance that they don't keep it so more likely not but still 42 percent pretty good behind them with the fourth worst worst record in the league cleveland oklahoma city and orlando all tied right now with the fourth worst record one game behind minnesota the difference is minnesota has been playing better recently chris finch has gotten them to play yeah. better they've lost their last couple of games but they've won six of their last 10 cleveland orlando and oklahoma city are in full-on dead oh. wide open throttle tank and uh a flat, lost eight in a row. flying tanking right so minnesota they win another game or two and i haven't looked at all the schedules to see if these teams play each other um, I know Cleveland has a tough schedule down the stretch. Oklahoma City has a couple of games left to Sacramento. So uh, that, that's interesting. But um, if Minnesota, worst case scenario, and they slip back to uh, sixth, even though the lottery odds are not like they used to be, they're, they're still flatter, mm-hmm. their percentage chance of getting a top three pick and then and thereby keeping their pick slips to 30%. From forty-two to thirty percent, I know it's like well, twelve percent, whatever. Well, it it's pretty damn important. <laughs> um, but the Timberwolves, uh, you said they're winning. I mean, at, at one point recently, they had a four-game winning streak, which at the time was the longest active winning streak in the league. And you know, that's interesting. I, I think that they've basically decided, like, hey, we've got to start creating a winning culture. You know, you at clumsy as it was, they made a coaching change that has helped them, and you know. Towns has made it clear like he, they need to start developing a winning culture there. And so they are valued just trying to plant those seeds more than they have trying to, uh, you know, stack up ping pong balls. I guess I'm just the difference in their outlook. If they're able to draft a guy like Jalen Suggs, <clears throat> who's from Minneapolis. Yeah. Versus, um, you know, not having the pick. It, I mean, it, Come on, it's, it makes a massive difference in their outlook. The other thing is, <clears throat> I believe Monday is the thirty-day window, and I don't, you know, I haven't seen the contract, so I don't know if it's thirty business days or whenever when it was actually executed. But they had a thirty-day window for Alex Rodriguez and his business partner Mark Lore, or Lore, Lore. I don't know which how you say it. Do you guys know the guy who was the former Walmart CEO? It's okay, Lore, yeah. I believe. It's Lore. Mar- okay, it's Mark. Um, they have, I believe until, you know, till Monday, um, to, uh, <clears throat> execute a, a deal to buy the Timberwolves, um, in two years, uh, if that's what they negotiate, who knows? And maybe they'll, maybe they'll, um, uh, maybe they'll push it out and say, we need more time or whatever. I don't know if we're going to have the answer by Monday. What I do know is, is that that hanging over the organization also is, you know, unsettling. Mm-hmm. So um, if somehow they could get their ownership situation settled <clears throat> and 
get the and retain that top three pick. I mean, you you would be very very excited about where they're going. But you know, Bon Temps and I have been burned with the yeah. I have listen. I have too. I absolutely. Back when you know you thought, well, they've got Towns and Wiggins, and you know, da da da. Uh, I tell you what, though, man, Edwards is. I think Edwards is going to be a bona fide superstar. Do, do you think he's unsettled by the ownership situation? Um, I'll tell you what. I, no, I do not. <laughs> I I hope I hope Anthony Edwards is a superstar because this kid this oh. kid says something once every two or three days at at minimum, uh, and often every day that literally has me laughing uh, and to the point where I'm almost falling out of my chair. And yeah. I hope. Is a super duper star because he's already one of the five best interviews in the league. For sure. His his inter- his interview with uh, the the Wolves sideline reporter about his his time growing up playing baseball is one of the funniest <laughs> sixty second clips I've seen this season. It is at, it, please, I go go search for it if you haven't seen it and watch it. I mean it is it is unbelievable and the kid is just a fun. He's he's just really fun. I, I'm really rooting for yeah, him. Yeah, he really claimed fun. that he was. Um, good enough to be a major leaguer, which I don't know, maybe he was, and that he played shortstop and third base were two of the positions he played growing up. And then when it was revealed <laughs> that A-Rod was trying to buy the team, he said he didn't know who A-Rod was, which I don't know well enough to know if he was being sarcastic. Um, but oh, no, I, I think he was 100% serious. He had no idea who he was. And then he was talking about hitting right. bombs as a cleanup hitter. I mean, it was, it was incredible. <laughs> it's just, it was just incredible. You would think, as a you know, as someone his age that who played shortstop and third base, he might have been aware of who A Rod was. But just because you play listen, it doesn't mean you you sit at home and, and watch clearly, it on TV. Clearly, clearly, that's uh, no question about that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you know the uh, if you were drafting sort of uh, the the upside of an organization, um, the Wolves would would be there, but they've been there before. True. So true, I'm true, just a little true. skeptical. Um, and that's why I got into a conversation with a couple of people, and, and Bontemps disagrees with me on this. With their pick unprotected next year, <laughs> you would you would say to yourself, well, they're going to be a better team next year because they're going to be healthier. Yeah. They're going to, um, you know, all that stuff. Edwards, it will be a, have a year of experience. Right. Yeah. And if, and if they don't convey their pick this year, <clears throat> it means they got a top three pick, which means right. that they would have added another major talent. And so – their ideal situation is to, you know, keep their pick this year, draft high in this draft, and then go ahead and and hand over their unprotected pick to uh, Golden State next year. You know, conventionally thinking that would be what you would say you would want to do. I say I've watched the Timberwolves for a long time. I've seen that they've missed the playoffs in like 17 out of 18 years or 15 out of 16 years, whatever it is. And I wouldn't want an unprotected pick out there on mm-hmm. my conscience for next year. Uh, I understand all the reasons why they should be better. I get all that. But I would be worried about having that unprotected pick out there for next year. Uh, Bontemps thinks I'm crazy. He thinks... Uh, well, you argued before that it would be great for them to get Jalen Suggs, and now you're arguing it would be great for them to have, well, a, have their pick I have, year, which, is, which is a classic Brian argue both sides of the same point and then say okay. I'm right. Well, that's fine, but it's not. <laughs> it's not... I'm not saying, I mean, obviously, if they could choose their path, if you could say to them, make your choice, gentlemen, you would say, we will take the top three pick this year. Thank you very much. Obviously, that's not in question. Of course they would. I'm just saying, if I were the Timberwolves and knowing their history and seeing what they've done, 
if there was an unprotected pick out there, I would be worried, especially in a draft where Chet Holmgren, who sure. lo- looks he looks amazing, like he could be a transformational player and is from Minneapolis, I had no shot at him. That's, Wendy, that's all I'm saying. I hope that your fence has a gate because you definitely go on both sides. And I hope you're just not straddling it because it's side to side, <laughs> side to side. I hope it just has a gate you can open and, and walk on through. Again, I will just say, research the history of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, I know. You know, and then sit there and say that you you'd be just a okay with having an unprotected first pick out there. You know, that's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. I I wonder if Towns regrets the way things went with Tibbs. I wonder if he looks back at that and says, "Man, you know what? I had a chance to win, and I wasn't mature enough to handle that at the time." Or you know, maybe Tibbs regrets. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Tibbs landed in a pretty good situation. Yeah, created a, a lot pretty of good money, situation. Yeah. Here's what I know. When Jimmy Butler demanded the trade, I went to the to their home opener. Um, you know, he demanded the trade in training camp, mm-hmm. you know, beat the starters with the C team or whatever it was. Um, they started the season on the road. They played a couple of games on the road. So here they come for their home opener. Um, I think it was against the Cavs, actually. Um, and so I go up to Minneapolis for the home opener to cover what, what happens. And... Um, Jimmy gets introduced, and Glenn Taylor, the team owner, who he has just told, uh, if I if I remember the story correctly, Glenn asked Jimmy to come out to his house outside of Minneapolis, and um, and Glenn sent his agent, or I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy sent his agent instead, didn't even come to the house to to issue the trade demand, and uh, so Glenn is sitting three feet from him as he's being introduced. And Jimmy doesn't care. And Jimmy gets booed, of course, by the crowd. But when they introduced Tibbs, he got booed louder. Hmm. It was it was it was rough there for Tibbs at the end. Yeah. Which is insane because he's the only guy to get them in the playoffs in the past seventeen or eighteen years. So ever, ever since Kevin Garnett left. And by the way, as we've seen in New York, he's a pretty good coach. Yeah. So I covered you know, that playoff that, series. It was against the Rockets and it was one big passive aggressive, you know, media poke fest between him and Cat the whole time. Yeah, that's just a total mess there for so long. And, and apparently, you know, the owner, the ownership didn't like him, uh, both Glenn and his wife, because he cursed, he cursed on the him. sidelines. Yeah, I'm not saying that's why they fired him, but you know, that's pretty. They definitely didn't. They definitely didn't like that. Right. So, yeah. Um, okay, so that's uh, that's your pick, McMahon. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't don't risk it click it or ticket paid for by nitsa bon temps 
which lottery team are you excited about? Uh, team bound for the lottery, are you excited about their future? Uh, I will take the easy way out and say the team with nine trillion draft picks over the next uh, seven years, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I was going to uh, say you, have, you had to be specific about that because there's, there's I, I, a couple there are there are a couple, but they I believe I believe they have something like uh, something like thirty four draft picks in the next seven drafts. Uh, or, or something close to that. I think it's 17 um, first and 17 seconds. Yeah, that might have included. That might have included this year. Either way, uh, they've got J. Gilds Alexander, who uh, is a stud, and they've got um, they got my man Alexander Pokuchevsky, who is the most bizarre player I've ever seen in the NBA. And uh, they've got <laughs> Why you, they've got bizarre just because he's just like so tall. I, I just, and I'm just fascinated by him. He's like seven two and 120 pounds and he just whenever no, he's on exaggerating the, I don't know what they list him at but he's he he may not be 150 no I mean he looks like Gumby on the court he's just all <laughs> arms and legs and he's flying around and he's like he'll he'll throw a, a really nice behind the back pass one possession and make a three on the next possession and then he'll throw an air ball over the backboard and get knocked 10 feet out of bounds on the next two possessions it's just like it's a total roller coaster ride all the time but he's entertaining and he's clearly got talent so he's an interesting guy to watch and uh yeah look they've, they've shown a really good penchant for developing players lou dort um you know is a guy that got on a two-way last year that's now a guy who would start on you know just about every team is a really good three and d player um you know I, I between their uh between their development system and all the picks they have and already having you know an all-star level player in jay gillis alexander I, I think there's you know, obviously there's going to be some losing the next couple of years as they build up this talent base, but I think there's plenty to be excited about if you're a Thunder fan going forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, so here's my question about the Thunder. So, you know, they're obviously, they've shown their ability to, to sort of find and develop some young players. Uh, Lou Dort, for sure. You know, they may have found something in Moses Brown this year. Um, uh, the, the The question I have about them is, how will they actually use those draft picks? Because they're obviously not going to draft 17 first-round players. Um, what will they prioritize using those picks on? Will they prioritize trying to um, swing for a star? Like, you know, let's say, I don't want to say a name because I say it and then it gets aggregated. Let's just say player X, who's an all-NBA player, demands a trade, you know, in six months. Uh, do the Thunder say we will trade six first round picks for that player? Um, because the question is, you know, in today's day and age, um, not only do the superstar players control free agency, of course, but they also in some ways control the draft or, or I mean, uh, control uh, where they get traded. You know, James Harden was like, I want to play in Brooklyn. And he got to Brooklyn and Kawhi Leonard was like, I am, I want to play in LA and they sent him to Toronto, but it was, it was a rental. And so the question is, is, you know, is there going to be a player who the, you know, is, you know, let's say, you know, let's just say the sake of argument, let's say Bradley Beal says, I want out of Washington. I'm not saying that he is. I just say that he is like, you know, he's got a year left on his contract. Would the Thunder trade six first round picks for him and then know that he may walk in a year? You know, so so the question is, you know, do they go and swing for that type of trade? Well, I, I uh, think, or do they, or do they like try to use their picks to move up in a bunch of these drafts? Like that's that, that's how they got Poku. They moved up um, in the draft. Do they try to, you know, you know, offer a bunch of picks to move up into the high into the lottery? You know, make some sort of. Uh, 
uh, Godfather offer, you know, trade four first round picks to move up in the lottery or, or, you know, to get a the player that they like up there. That's what I'm going to be fascinated to watch Sam Presti uh, figure out what, what the best route is. And and if it is swing for a star, I, I, I think that, you know, it's a, it's win because like be the, the timeline is not next year for them. But, you know, right. I don't mean it actually they would do Bradley. Beal. Right, right. I'm just using that as an example. Right. Uh, I tell you what, man, Gildas Alexander, th- there's a reason that his foot is so sore that they won't let him play while they're desperately trying to sink to the bottom. Well, that I just told you how, how close those rankings, how close those uh, yeah. those standings are. Yeah. The season, he didn't, you know, there weren't a lot of games played by him this year, but when he did play, I mean, he, he was really, really good. Um, but yeah, how, how do you get, how do you get a guy who is better than him? And then if you can get somebody better than him, you've, you've got a chance. Well, this, this year's, this year's lottery for them, I think is really critical. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously they can get Houston's pick if it's outside the top four, um, which at this point is means they'll get the fifth pick and they've, they're obviously going to have a chance to jump up into the top five and and get a high pick as well and we we've talked ad nauseum about how good the top of this draft is and to your point tim the the one the one concern i have with them sort of along the lines of what we were talking about with minnesota is if um if they don't jump up in this lottery and if they don't get that minnesota pick all of a sudden you've got Shea gilbs alexander who's you know a, a star houston level pick, player not minnesota houston all right i'm right, right. i'm sorry right if they don't get the houston pick um they they've got the star level player in Chenko to Alexander, who's going to be getting, you know, probably a max extension this summer and looks well on his way to making a few all-star teams going forward. And you don't really have anybody to play with them in terms of being ready to be good NBA players. And if you have to wait a whole nother year to get a high level player, you're now talking, you know, the gap between him and the rest of that group growing even bigger going forward. Right. And I think I think for them in terms of trying to build a team, I think to your point, that is the the real worry that I would have if I was a Thunder fan in that if they don't get that star level player to play with him this year from the top of this draft, all of a sudden you could be in a situation where um, it gets tough for them to um, find the right balance in their roster in terms of having guys ready to win with him when he's ready to win. Um, you know, sometime soon. And then, then it makes you wonder kind of what his, his, what his future is there. But that's, you know, that's, well, that's sort of, of a good problem to have. Really, one of the things that would be really important in signing him to an extension this year, which I'm sure they will, um, is an opt-out year. You know, especially if their horizon, you know, is a little bit farther um, if they don't get lucky in the, in the, in the lottery. I'm going to go over their lottery situation here in a second. But um, – this is one of those things, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell signs a max last year, gets an opt out, you know. Mm-hmm. So right now everything's A-OK, but, um, you know, that comes up fast. Uh, Brandon Ingram in uh, in New Orleans signs a max extension, doesn't get an opt out. Uh, you know, five years, he's locked in. Um, it makes a big difference. That opt out makes a difference because the pressure then starts with uh, the extension, like after year two. Um, you start to get worried about it of the new contract. So, I would I would think that the Thunder would push very hard if indeed he gets a max, which I would expect he would, 
to to not give him an opt out in that contract. And we'll see whether that gets how hard Shea would push for that. That would potentially. I I suspect I suspect that contract will be signed as a five year max with no options. Um, I agree, but, and but, I think it'll be done. I think it'll be done on August second. Well, yes. Considering that I believe Shea is is hoping to play for the Canadian national team this summer. Uh, they have to qualify for the Olympics. He's not going to go risk playing in that without having a pretty good idea that he's going to be protected. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. So just to get to sum up, I want to just talk about Oklahoma City's uh, just to clarify their lottery position. So right now they're tied for fourth. Um, so they have a 42.7% chance of ending up in the top four of getting up into the lottery. Um Depending on what happens behind them, if they don't, obviously, and depending on where they, they're in a three-way tie for fourth, but they could, you know, they could fall back to, to you know, if they, you know, win a game or two in this next week, they could end up with the sixth or seventh pick uh, in this draft. Um, right now, Houston has is has the worst record in the league by three games, and I assume that they will not. Uh, Houston will have the worst record. I'm just gonna okay. I'm gonna make that bold prediction now. <laughs> right. Well, it doesn't matter because the top three teams all have the same percentage now. So Houston is going to well, have it, a. F- it matters only in that if they don't end up in there, they'll end up with the fifth pick. That's why it matters. That's right. So Houston has is going to have a 52 percent chance of getting a top four pick in this lottery. So that means Oklahoma City has a 48 percent chance of getting. The pick because if it is outside, if it if it is if it goes to fifth, if four teams pass them, um, Oklahoma City would get it. So Oklahoma City has a chance in this draft to have best case scenario the number one pick that they would win the lottery with their with their one, or and the number five pick. So that's their best case. They would get their their pick would win the lottery. Houston would get completely unlucky. The 48% would come in and they would get two top five picks in this lottery, which is regarded as having multiple franchise uh, stars in the top five. Their worst case, as I said, is they could slip to six, seven, or even eight, depending on bad luck. That variance, considering the um, uh, talent in the top of this draft, is humongous yeah and that's why Bontemp says this lottery is so damn important for them and why they told al horford take it easy we'll see you next season no or, uh, or take it easy we'll redirect you next season and by the way well, whatever. They, they might have to exactly. use one of their a thousand picks to do that well whatever the point is they were stored even in this era where the tanking has been mitigated by the play-in tournament and the and the um and the uh, the the flattening of the odds, they are extraordinarily, overwhelmingly incentivized to try to somehow figure out a way to get into that. Topic. By the way, when Shea Gildas Alexander plays this year, they are sixteen and nineteen. When he doesn't, they are five and twenty six. I hope his foot gets better this off season. <laughs> I mean, he is injured, but you know. Yeah. By the way, the difference between being five and twenty-six and being—if you, you know, let's say they that they were three games under five hundred team. If they were three games under five hundred team, they would be. You know, um, I don't know if they'd be knocking on the door. Let's see. Golden State's the eighth seed right now, and they're dead five hundred. But they'd still be in it. Yeah. No. Go, uh, San Antonio is is three games under five hundred, and they're 
uh, they are in the 10 spot. So they'd be a play. They could, I mean, they were playing at a play in tournament qualifying level with Gilgis Alexander. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Okay, so the team that I'm tying, I don't know if my team's going to be in the lottery. The way the Spurs are playing, the Spurs have lost, I don't know if they're playing tonight, but the Spurs have lost five in a row. Mm-hmm. And boy, and, look uh, bad against a Utah team missing two all-star guards. Man. And so they, I wouldn't say that the team I'm going to talk about, which is the New Orleans Pelicans, I wouldn't say that um, the Pelicans have been making a push for getting into the play-in tournament, but the Spurs have come, they're like uh, driving in reverse on the highway right back to them. Um, so the reason that you get excited about the Pelicans is for one reason, and he wears number one, and he's one of the most unique talents I've seen in two decades covering the league, and that's Zion, um, who for all of the frustration that the Pelicans have had this year, particularly with the fact that their their defense has really not been what Stan Van Gundy really wanted. Mm-hmm. They've been extraordinarily disappointed. Oh, you don't say. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> um, uh, well, I was talking to Scott the other day, and he's like, look, the way Ingram and Zion are playing on defense, they're going to have to work very hard to ever be a decent defensive team. Those guys got to get better. Uh, they don't have to be all defensive players, but you know, they, they just get killed. Uh, they just get killed on that end. Um, but Zion, the, the positive is, is that they have created this position for Zion where he's a, he's going to play point forward. I mean, frankly, he plays point guard um, and he's been really good at it. And he's just, just getting his feet wet in the position. And like, and he's, and he's been any, really good without shooting around him. They've got to figure out, they've, they've, got, got, no they've got to figure out how to fit a roster around him. Now that they realize, okay, Hey, this is what this guy is. He is a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands and initiate the offense. That is exactly right, uh, McMahon. And that is why you can you can feel some optimism about the Pelicans' future because this team was not designed to have Zion be the point guard. Mm-hmm. They, you know, At the start of the season, they kind of were like, well, Zion, if you get the defensive rebound, we want you to push it up the floor and go initiate, kind of like a Draymond Green type player. But it has now morphed into the fact where – even if he doesn't get the rebound, they throw him the ball. Yeah, yeah. either you grab the rebound and go or get the outlet pass, but you're getting the ball. Right. Well, so, you, you guys want to know an ironic stat, given what we've just talked about? Since I looked this up to double-check it, I thought I was right. So since the All-Star game, uh, the, the Pelicans are 15-15. and 15. Their defensive rating in, since the All-Star break is sixth in the league at 109.8, and they're – Offensive rating is 19th 
because they have because they have no shooting because they have no shooting they definitely have gotten better defensively as the season's gone along and that is why you feel that zion because you know there were like there were times early in the season where zion was completely lost on what to do defensively he has gotten better it is not pretty but he has gotten better so and the reason that you feel like they have a chance to improve is because they have all of these draft picks um, they have the the picks from the Lakers and the picks from the Bucks. They also have picked up a whole bunch of extra second round picks. Um, they are not quite in the position, obviously that the that the Thunder are in, but they have the ammunition to make uh, trades that way. Uh, um, but there's two things that are that are problematic. One is that never in the history of their organization have they ever paid the luxury tax. And they have Brandon Ingram at a big salary and, and they have, you know, at some point down the line, they have to plan for Zion Williamson at a big salary. And so as they look to add pieces to this team, uh, especially in the wake of them extending Steven Adams at a pretty big number for a non all-star center. um, I don't know how much financial flexibility that they're going to have. And so that, is going to rubber is going to meet the road this offseason with Lonzo Ball. Now, as of right now, they've got I think ninety or ninety-two million dollars uh, committed to next season, so they are going to be under the cap. Um, they're not probably going to be a cap space team because they have Lonzo and Josh Hart as free agents. Um, but I just don't know if they're going to pay Lonzo, and if Lonzo leaves, you know, I don't know what me- you know what message you're sending to Zion. Mm-hmm that you're taking a, a, a young, talented player who I do believe he likes playing with and has shown that he can have some success playing alongside Zion because he's, he's, his three-point shot is, is improved. Um, I don't know what message that sends to him. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of teams in the league who I've talked to who believe that Lonzo will be available in sign-and-trade this offseason and um, that there may even be well, he was certainly available in talks throughout the season in trades. I mean, he didn't get traded, but there was few. There was maybe no one more discussed in trades this season than Lonzo. You know, in terms of his name just being out there and people talking about it. You know, we spent months wondering if he would get moved for the deadline. Well, and, and the guys on that roster, I think you can make a strong argument that Lonzo is the best fit as, as a piece, as a complementary piece with Zion because of his shooting, because of you know him being a guy who can get them out in transition and you know they've got obvious uh chemistry as far as Lonzo throwing lobs up to to Zion. Um so when you're talking about trying to fit a roster around a blossoming superstar, if you don't keep the guy who's the best fit, that's uh that's a tough way to do business. I just don't know. I I know that there I, there, there is not I mean we'll see what happens when we get to August, but I I don't think there's a lot of optimism at least on Lonzo's side of the op- of the operation, that there's going to be a, a, a real push to sign him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think they're definitely going to make him an offer, and I think there's probably a number that they have that they're willing to go to, and if that number is more than he wants or if he can get that elsewhere, I think they'll look for a sign-and-trade. I mean, one of the things that would be interesting for them is if they were able to get a trade exception. Um, 
which would take some maneuvering because uh, they'd have to do some other signings first because they would fall below the cap if he was renounced or if he left. Well, so, if they did a sign and trade, got a trade exception, that would keep them over the cap anyway. So Right. So, um, And then they have all those draft picks that they could use in a deal to get a player that would might be an interesting asset for them. Um, but, you know, I, I doubt based on what my feel that they're going to bring back Josh Hart and Lonzo. And I think that there's a affinity in the organization for Josh Hart. I think they like him. And I think that one of their, if it's not the number, if it's not plan a, I mean, you know, who knows how they'll sell it later, but I do think one thing they're looking at this year is, Try maybe do a sign and trade with Lonzo for a player or a trade exception, and then re-sign Josh Hart, and then try to go out there and get a forward who can shoot and defend, so that he can spread the court a little bit for Zion and also help Zion defend, um, you know, stronger forwards at the other end, and basically have Zion play as their point guard next year, and play a really big, strong, uh, large lineup, um, and that could work, but. Um, you know, it's a it's a huge decision on Lonzo. Obviously, they had uh, extension talks before the year, and you know, two years ago, when they came into that season, they had Brandon Ingram. They had just traded for him. They told him, "Look, uh, we're not going to extend you, or you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but have a good year, and 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 we'll take care of you." And he, pff, the dude, won most improved player, and they came back and they signed him to a max contract. And the same thing happened with Lonzo this year. They had some conversations with him. They never really gotten very far, and they said, "Lonzo, go have a great year." And, you know, we'll take care of you. And Lonzo's had a good year. I don't know if it's a great year, but it's a really good year. And I just don't know if that's going to happen. I wonder what's going to, what, I wonder how it's going to affect their future. Now, look, they may make a sign and trade that turns out to be great. And, or they may, um, you know, get a trade exception back and they may use that later on. And it turns out to be terrific. And that's what David Griffin's got to do. But I just, as, as I do think there should be optimism around this team, I just don't know whether the Lonzo decision will catapult that or put them in, you know, in a brace because, um, you know, ultimately a year from now they have to come to Zion and say, Zion, here's your contract extension, commit to us long-term. Well, and the, the thing even beyond Lonzo that I'm curious about is something that, you know, and you talking about getting a guy to play next to him that can guard bigger forwards. I'm just not sure a Lonzo-Brandon Ingram combination at the three and four spots is ever going to be conducive to having a high-level team because Zion can't play center on defense. He's too small. And Brandon Ingram can't really play either of the guard spots on defense. So one of them, in theory, has to guard the LeBrons and Kawhis and, you know, those types of players for other teams. And they're just not going to be able to do that. And so I I, I just kind of wonder, ultimately, if that partnership is really um, – the one is really one that they can go forward with as as being kind of the two bedrock guys for their team. Um, so even more than the Lonzo question, which obviously is going to get answered this summer, I think that's the thing that if you're David Griffin and the Pelicans, you ultimately have to decide is if do those guys really make sense together, or is there a move that can be made? And who is that player? To, right. Think? Well, I mean, yeah, that's a I hard player to find. No, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't know who the player is. I don't know who the player is next to. Um, I don't know who the player is next to Zion in particular, but I do just, I do just, I, I do think they have to figure out, do they really believe that um, those two guys are the best fit together long-term? Because, you know, if you, 
if you have them together on your team, despite the fact that they've defended better since the All-Star break, I just think it's going to be tough to win um, high-level playoff series with those guys as your forwards. In some ways, it's kind of like the the forward version of Dame and CJ in Portland, where you're just going to have sort of a ceiling on your team because um, when you get into you know high-level playoff matchups against the best players, you're just not going to have any way to contain those elite forwards on other teams with with those guys playing your two forward spots. Yeah. Um, you know, having Zion, <laughs> it, it makes everything a little bit more possible, though. So um, with all these teams, you know, big off seasons, big off seasons to, to try to, to step forward into. Um, um, not to say that the teams that we didn't talk about uh, – don't have big doing off seasons, but um, I think both Minnesota and and um, and New Orleans should be playoff teams next year, based on everything that's. that's... Boy, the problem is there's a lot. Like who's who's slipping out in the West? Well, let me just say this way: they should they should set their sights on being that. Well, being that, that that's a very different thing. I, I'm with Tim. Look at the teams that are in the playoffs this year and tell me who they should be better than next year. Barring barring injury, obviously. Set injuries. Are you aside. including in the playoffs as top ten? Or are you including this top eight? Uh, let's 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 start with top ten and just see how many teams you have ahead of them. Well, San Antonio isn't even right. firmly in the top, you know, in the top ten. But that you know, that's true. let's just go through the standings. Are they should they be better than either LA team next year? No. Should they be better than Phoenix next year? Probably not. Not if Chris Paul's be back. Better than, should they be better than Denver next year? No. Should they be better than Utah next year? Unlikely. Should <laughs> they be better than Golden State next year? Probably not. Should they be better than Dallas next year? Wouldn't bet against it. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't bet on it as well. I mean. Right. So we're already up to six. I agree. It's hard. You know, Portland but, is the I one mean, where you can say, well. I did, yeah. I was about to say, then you've got Portland. And Memphis is up where they mobile too. Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, I mean, Memphis and Portland are 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 going to be um, are going to be interesting. I mean, so you're already at eight then, and and yeah, they're they're probably somewhere in that ballpark. But now, I don't think so it's now, anywhere. So now you're work. taking the reverse position when I said that Minnesota didn't want to have an unprotected pick hanging out there next year. Now you're taking the reverse position. He just walked through a gate. No, <laughs> I I said from the beginning on that argument that if I was guaranteed getting a top, if the reason they wouldn't have an unprotected pick next year is they would be guaranteed a top three pick in this year's draft. And I would be fine getting Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley or Cade Cunningham. It's if that's the difference. If it was, if it was like a lottery protected pick or an unprotected pick, then yeah, I would just, I would rather give up the pick if it was, you know, going to be somewhere in the back half of the lottery. I, I don't want to go down that road. Anyway, my, my, you know, when you have Zion by year three, you should really be be tracking, you know. You should. You know, go look at LeBron year three. Go look at Durant year three. If that's if that's where you think he could go, you need to be you need to be moving forward. So I think they, they would feel that they would feel that heat to be there. And I think Zion would be the one applying it, quite frankly. So um that you know We'll hang over them going into the soft season. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys. Uh, I like this. Uh, I like this exercise. Maybe we'll, By the way, um, one one real quick aside on them before we go. If if they do manage to get into tenth, it certainly is going to add a little extra intrigue to this playing tournament. If uh, you know, if, if you've got say Warriors Pelicans in the first game, or you've got 
uh, or if Golden State gets to eight and wins a game and you've got or and loses a game and you've got them playing in the eight nine to get in the playoffs, that would be uh, that would be a pretty fun that'd be a pretty fun thing to see. Do you think? Well, even you, if you, even if even if they're close, that last night of the mm-hmm. season, um, the uh, the Pelicans play the Lakers, right? Or the Pelicans play the the uh, Warriors. No, the Grizzlies play the Warriors. I believe the Pelicans play the Clippers or Lakers. Oh, Lakers, okay. I think. Well, that last night of the season with Zion is playing to get into the playoffs. You know, it's must see TV. I, I think you earlier this week, Bontemps, um, after LeBron said that the person who uh, right uh, who came up with the play in tournament, you know, we, we we complimented McMahon's tweet earlier. Your tweet, um, which is that uh, if if LeBron and Steph are playing each other in the play in tournament, that person's not only not going to get fired, they're going to get a raise. Um, if Zion is in the play in tournament playing against Steph or LeBron. Um, that raise may uh, be a flat out doubling of salary. So here's uh, here's the Pelican schedule down the stretch, all on the road except for the finale: Philly, Charlotte, Memphis, Dallas, Golden State, and then ended up at home against the Lakers. So it won't be an easy way in. But do, so yeah, you I think, think San Antonio still projects to be in front of them. But I mean, San Antonio is not you know no, inspiring confidence. Do you, do you think so, Zion? The Spurs have had a ton of games and have lost some really tough ones. I mean, they lost in overtime back to back games to uh, the, the Celtics and the Sixers. Just and obviously that Celtic game was a thirty point lead that they blew in the second half. I mean, they've had some really tough losses here. Yeah, they also lost Derek White, which you know, it, and they've had to play forty games in the second half of the season because that's of true. COVID. That's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thanks, McMahon. Good idea. Maybe we'll make this an annual event. Um, thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to Tony. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. Now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.